Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hey, everybody. Okay, all right, hear me out. Can we talk about Star Wars? I think George Lucas gonna sue somebody. Hey, that's right. It's Bo. I'm back. And we're gonna be kind of doing a little wrap-up on Ahsoka. Was Ahsoka good, actually? Yeah, kinda. Look, I didn't hold back any of my thoughts that I really was kind of disappointment, disappointed rather with the overall kind of direction they ended up taking the Ahsoka series to really be more of like a follow-up to Rebels. I like Rebels. I think Rebels deserves a follow-up. I think this is a really awesome follow-up to Rebels, not to mention setting up the return of Thrawn and basically everything that we're probably about to experience in the world of Star Wars on the big screen, on the small screen, and all the screens in between. And so when you look at the series as a whole, you know, remove the Ahsoka from it and, and like look at what this is, it's actually really fantastic and really well done. But again, my critique overall has mostly been that it's like, here's all the stuff and here's all the plot and here's the Rebels without a whole lot of development for Ahsoka. We got a little bit of that, a little bit here and there, but for the most part, she was just kind of there. She was really more of a Gandalf character. I mean, like, clearly, visually, at every single level, Filoni wanted to take Ahsoka and make her into a Gandalf for this next era of, well, of Star Wars. And I think he actually did that in a really good way. I just don't know that you need to do that in a Gandalf series. You need to do that in a you know, a Lord of the Rings series. Gandalf works well in the Lord of the Rings. Gandalf would not work as, like, the Lord of the Rings would not play as well if the movie was, like, the Gandalf movie. It's a problem of marketing and expectations and kind of presenting the character in such a way. Like, because this was presented as the Ahsoka story, there are promises about that character that you expect and to some of which were absolutely delivered on with, you know, her dynamic with Anakin, especially now that he is one with the Force. And what does that look like for both Anakin and Ahsoka, their relationship, her fears about who Anakin was, who she is. She left the Order, and so now she's on her own, but she's now defining in this post-Jedi Order era, what does it even mean to be a Jedi? She's going to the people that the Jedi Order would have absolutely you know, never turn to for recruits or for bringing into the fold. And from that standpoint, with Sabine's journey, like she really is kind of a Kyle Katarn-esque character in the universe right now. Kyle Katarn, uh, video games, Dark Forces, a fantastic video game franchise back in the day, pre-prequels, all that kind of good stuff. With Kyle, the concept behind Kyle Katarn and where they really took him in the Jedi Knight series was kind of like a, what if Han Solo, but also is a Jedi? That's essentially what we've got with Sabine. What if Boba Fett, but is also a Jedi? Yes, and I, I realized with kind of, you know, Tar Vizsla and kind of the Clan Vizsla and the Darksaber, we've had this concept explored before and even with Grogu from the other side. But Sabine is like altogether unique in that she was a Mandalorian, but she was never really that good of a Mandalorian, if I could say that. Don't get me wrong. I mean, like, you know, she was a weapons manufacturer and or she created weapons that basically the Empire used to decimate her people. She's very gifted, talented. She's also an incredible fighter and pilot, you know, all the Mandalorian things. 
But from a cultural standpoint, she never really had the same kind of respect. She loved her family, but she didn't have the same kind of respect for that culture. Everything about her armor communicated that. As an artist, she's constantly coming up with new designs and kind of, you know, plastering the chair in her room and everybody's room in the ghost, as well as her very armor, this kind of sacred thing, which all Mandalorians paint up. That's definitely there. But I don't know. There was always kind of this level of a lack of deep respect that perhaps sometimes we kind of attribute to Mandalorians that they have for their armor. That's what I mean when I say she wasn't a quote unquote good Mandalorian. She's a great Mandalorian. But my point is that like Mandalorians might not necessarily see her as one of their own, or at least to have the same kind of reverence for their, their creeds and culture. So once their planet is destroyed by the empire, her family is all but gone, completely wiped out from what we learned in this final episode. And because of her ties with Kanan, and then of course, especially Ezra, she becomes this potential mentee, this potential apprentice for Ahsoka, who herself has been abandoned by her order. Ahsoka, you might even argue, is a bad Jedi from that standpoint, right? Like the Jedi Order at one point hunted her down thinking that she had betrayed them. And then when they, oops, are bad and try to let her back in, she walks away from the Order. She's like shirked that name of Jedi. Like specifically when she confronted Vader in Rebels, you know, Vader calls, you know, calls out her actions as not the Jedi way. Her response, I am no Jedi. So the quote unquote bad Jedi training up this bad Mandalorian into this kind of new third way it's kind of fascinating, but there is part of me that was like, when she's still wielding Ezra's saber, lightsaber, I kind of want her to forge a new darksaber. And maybe that's part of the reason why the darksaber was destroyed in Mandalorian season three is because we're about to have kind of a new darksaber being crafted. I mean, they got the Night Sister sword. It has kind of that darksaber aesthetic. I wonder if we could see this combination of Ezra's lightsaber, the, the weapon of a Jedi, and the Towson saber. I forgot exactly what it was called, but basically, what if we see Sabine, a weapons manufacturer, work on both of these things to craft essentially what is a new darksaber? I think that could be fantastic, and it's something kind of exciting for season two of Ahsoka, if and when we get there. But suffice to say, while I loved so much about this finale and while like the season, just the series continued to get better and better, and better as things went along, there is a bit of like a, a, like a, like a stinging pain inside me because I feel like the promise of what an Ahsoka Luke relationship is like this episode and really the series kind of told us we're never going to get that. That's not a story they want to explore. They want to keep Ahsoka, and for that matter, like Hu Yang, ties to the Old Order. They want to like cast them so far off, they're basically in a galaxy far, far away. But they want to give Ahsoka the opportunity to still have her own story. And I think season two might actually present us with more of what, even though we won't get the look of it all, I think more of a Ahsoka focus in season two because... It is going to be about her her relationship with Sabine, obviously Sabine's relationship with Ahsoka, and what's really going on. At the very end, we see Balin, which, God, Lord, pour some out for this man. I hate that we've lost this actor uh, for so many different reasons, but the fact that they're going to have to recast this character is just tragic. But we see him standing on what appears to be a statue or three statues of the Mortis gods. Now, if you're not familiar at all with the Clone Wars, you have no idea who I'm talking about, but I highly recommend you check out the, I think it was like a trilogy of episodes, but the Mortis episodes of Clone Wars are clearly about to be very important. It's notable that the father is there and the son is there, but the daughter's statue has crumbled and does it does not exist. I don't want to spoil the Mortis trilogy, but it's very possible that this could be ties to what happened in that narrative, in that story on the Clone Wars. 
Also, the statue that is not present is also very tied to the owl that we constantly see showing up around Ahsoka. And given the fact that we have seen Ahsoka go on this kind of rebirth journey that they are bringing her in kind of this Gandalf-esque, you know, way, you can kind of potentially see what they're doing with season two and where they're potentially taking Ahsoka. I would not be totally shocked to see Ahsoka step into kind of the role of the daughter. And for Anakin, assuming that he's going to be a heavier part of season two, which I really hope he is, Anakin kind of becoming, stepping into the role of the father. This leads the opening of the son, which Anakin kind of was, I guess, you know, being kind of tempted to when we saw him in Clone Wars. But ultimately, the father saw Anakin as his ultimate ultimate replacement. And so what is Balin after? It appears that Balin's going deep, y'all. Like, like his, <laughs> his ambitions is no less than godhood. And so we may very well see a situation where Balin hopes to step into the role of the son, although it may be his apprentice ultimately who does that, or it may be Sabine. I don't know. It's just very interesting that they're about to play with some very deep Star Wars lore, very high concepts that come deep into the from the minds of George Lucas himself, like and things that most Star Wars fans are not familiar with. So season two has got me hyped. I'm really excited to see what they do with it and where they kind of bring Ahsoka. This was never really the journey that I had hoped for that character, but I've kind of made peace with it and I'm really excited to see where it goes. So yeah, was Ahsoka good actually? Absolutely. It was a it was a really fun series. It was great to see the return of Thrawn in such a massive way. It was also really interesting to pick up with a lot of those Rebels characters post-Civil War, Galactic Civil War. While I didn't get everything I was hoping for, it was still insanely entertaining, visually just beautiful to look at, and you know, some solid storytelling. It's Lord of the Rings, but Star Wars, and with like wolves everywhere. And from Dave Filoni, I'd expect nothing less. Anyway, that's going to do it for me for today. What'd you think? Did you end up liking Ahsoka? Was it good, actually? Let me know your thoughts. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at incognito there. That's going to do it for us for today. But don't worry. I'll be back in a flash. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.